7.30 p.m., a body was recovered from the Red River near the Alexander Docks. For six serial killers to be operating in that town. An Amber Alert is still in effect in parts of Canada for a two-year-old girl An Ontario woman says her father committed brutal murders and buried the bodies. Millions of dollars worth of maple syrup has been siphoned off from storage in Quebec. With the crime covered up. had planned for a year to steal it and kill its owner. You ever been interviewed by the police in a, in a room like this before? And I'm Shelly. And welcome to True North Crime. We're back from a little hiatus that we had. Yes. And we have... Come out of hibernation now that it's spring. <laughs> there you go. That, that's not that neither one of us hibernates in the wintertime. But we're very busy. So... Yeah. A reverse hibernation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so thanks for sticking with us. Exactly. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, actually. I had a crap week... For reasons I don't want to get into, but I'm feeling much better now. I'm right. in a better mood than I have been for. So it's a bad time to say that you have something in your teeth. Yeah, <laughs> it's right here, all the way at the back. Yeah, on no, side? on the other side. Is it salad? I was eating salad. A little forward. Oh, a little up. You feel it? What is it? I don't know. It's... Oh, it's salad. Yeah, I hate okay. to for you to be embarrassed to our listeners. <sighs> I went to the grocery <laughs> store with this in my teeth. <laughs> I think we've all been there. However, not a crime. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Give it time. Highly embarrassing. Yes. Thank you no for that. That's what a true friend does. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm tired. But like, I mean, it's it's been a busy couple of weeks for me. As you know, this is my high season. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been um, really good weather. Generally, we've had the days have been brighter. Lots you of... didn't drive through the snow this morning. Yeah, so. well, I was skiing in it, so it was fine. It was fun. I had a good time. Um, yeah, the athletes have been doing really well. Good. Yeah, so everybody's progressing nicely, and I haven't had to beat anyone up. Or oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I know you like to beat people up. That is, it is a crime. So. You'd, you'd hear about it on the pod. <laughs> Assault. We'll get there <laughs> eventually. Yes. So, no, it's been excellent. So yeah, it's 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 again, it's it's a tiring time of year, but it's also very good. And also, you know what I'm really happy about? Longer days. <gasps> I know. Tell me about it. Oh, so much better. I know. <laughs> so it's so nice to wake up and not be, you know, like have the dead of night and go somewhere, and then it finally gets bright at eight a.m. and I then know. you come home. Yeah. And you have, oh, it's so depressing. I don't like know. it's still kind of dark in the morning when I get up, but at least it's not like friggin' dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. No, which and that's is, like it's that's hard to deal with. I yeah, I didn't notice really until I was an adult. It's like fuck, it's dark out. Yeah, and it's like it takes its toll. I don't or know. it has lately in the last few years. I felt it. I feel it, but I mean, I'm outside most of the day anyway with my job, so I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm as affected as a lot of people. Yeah, when you work in a basement, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, you're in a dank hole all day long, and it's dark when you go to work, and it's dark when you why leave. Don't, why work. don't you tell us about this dungeon, Rachel? <laughs> I'd rather not. People are going to be imagining a whole. Oh, I know, things. and imagine all you want. <laughs> It'll be way more interesting than my actual basement job. <laughs> That's true. 
Anyway, so this week is a little last last time was super heavy. Yeah. So we this, to lighten so, things up. So to lighten things up, I chose the topic for yes, once. Yeah. And I came across this, I think it was like a McLean's like uh, you know, twenty-five craziest crimes in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't even an article, it was just one of those It was a list. It was right? a list on online that you just kinda like scroll through and it gives yeah. you one paragraph. But it was pretty fantastical. And I read it to you. And another friend of ours, and that you were just like, wow, we should really look this yeah, up. Yeah, because it so, sounded cool. Yeah, it does sound cool. So I hope, I mean, I only know what I read in that one paragraph. So okay, so this is going to be interesting for me. Right. So the the crime that you selected for us this week is the Flying Bandit. Well, it's not a crime. I think it's many. Well, the guy you selected yes. for us <laughs> this you. week is the Flying Bandit. Perpetrator? And I have I have some exciting news for you. Oh yeah. So when I sat down to, to research the Flying Bandit, I found out there were two different criminals what? in Canada named the Flying Bandit. You can't like copyright that. So <laughs> I have a double feature for you this week. Oh, that is the twist that you're talking That's the about. Twist, yes. Oh, so exciting. Okay, so um, hope oh, my research still applies. <laughs> It will, it will. Okay. Okay, so um, the flying bandit that you had looked up is Ken Leishman. And, but we're going to start with Robert Whiteman, a.k.a. Gilbert Galvin. Okay. So he was called the flying bandit, also sometimes the phantom bandit. Oh. Okay, so our story begins in 2015 when the police in Barrington, Illinois, arrested a man named Gilbert Galvin for shoplifting $900 worth of liquor. Wow. How do you shoplift that? So, I'm hoping it's one very expensive <laughs> bottle instead of, it's like, instead of like a whole bunch of Mickey's no, in his pants. it's a pants. shopping cart full of liquor. What? <laughs> he walked into the store, filled up a shopping cart full of booze, and just walked right out. And everyone in the store is just like, um... And someone approached him outside of the street, mm-hmm. and he just left the shopping cart and just continued on his way. <laughs> when he came back a few days later, he mm-hmm. did the same thing again, filled up a shopping cart full of booze, uh, and the people in the store phoned the cops, so they were waiting for him when he walked out of the store. Mm-hmm. And that's how he got arrested for shoplifting $900 worth of liquor. <laughs> yeah, it's under a grand, so it's not grand theft. <laughs> he was cooperative and polite, didn't make a fuss. Uh, but this happened to be the second time that Bar- Barrington police arrested Galvin. Back in 1976, he was charged with forgery after he was caught trying to fraudulently buy an airplane ticket. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So the cops thought this was just a routine retail theft until they ran his fingerprints. To quote Barrington police chief David Dorn, we didn't expect to have one of the most prolific bank robbers in the history of Canada <laughs> stealing from our grocery store. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Galvin was born in L.A., uh, not a happy home, bounced around from private schools to military schools, uh, left home in 1980, uh, I guess in his teens, mm-hmm. and traveled throughout the United States. Started off with petty crime and eventually wound up in jail on a larceny charge in Michigan. He was stealing from Western Union. Hmm. Uh, So he's in jail and he's playing pool in the rec room there. And the guard on duty takes a bathroom break. 
And while he's out, Galvin uses his pool cue to open the guard's desk and fish out the keys. Wow. So he frees himself from jail, phones up a friend to come and pick him up. <laughs> That's like literally phones. phone a friend. <laughs> he literally phones a friend for if help. You, if I phoned you and... and- that's a hard one. Like that's like one of those like would you? What, what would you if do? If I phoned you from breaking into jail, Rachel, would you come and pick me up? <laughs> I guess it depends why you're in jail. <laughs> See, for some people that would be black and white, and for you it's not. No. That means you're a true friend. True I friend. appreciate yeah. that. Because <laughs> it it just reflects on how much trouble I'm going to get into. Like if you'd murdered a bunch of people, you're on your own. <laughs> But if you robbed a if, you, if I murdered a bunch of people, you'd be like, shit, you should come and get me because you might be next on my list then. Oh, I didn't think of that. Damn it. Okay. Um, come back to me later. <laughs> so he phones a friend and she smuggles him into Canada. And from there, Galvin makes his way to Ottawa and basically starts his life over. In Ottawa, he buys ID off a homeless man named Robert Whiteman Mm -hmm. and reinvents himself as Robert Whiteman from Alberta. He meets a woman, he gets married, and the two move to Pembroke, which is about an hour and a half outside of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And this is is 1985. Yeah, it's a good thing because there's a Pembroke, BC, too. (laughs) That would be a big move from Ottawa. Yeah, that's why I was thinking, wow, that's far. No, no, Pembroke, Ontario. Okay. Okay. So, while he was establishing his new life, Galvin noticed that Canadian banks don't have the same kind of security as American banks. Because we're much more trustworthy. (laughs) Exactly. Just like the fact that even now, you don't have to pay at the pump beforehand a lot of times. No. You can still just pay pay, You just pump your gas and go inside and pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. It's much (laughs) easier. Never get rid of it. Much more convenient. Stop. Don't steal gas. We want to keep this. (laughs) Although, I think if you drive away... You can have your license. Seized. Yeah, it's a major. No, it's, it's a huge. major. It's a huge yeah. thing. There was that whole murder thing about that too. What? Yeah, there, that was a case. Anyway, that was more recent, but we're not getting into that murder case. Okay, different, different, different. episode. All right. Okay, back to bank robbery. Yeah. Back to bank. Back to the flying bandit. <laughs> okay, so Pembroke, Pembroke, Ontario. Canadian banks don't have armed guards at the entrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> Pembroke is this little town. It has a little regional airport. And Galvin figures he can fly all over the country to rob Canada's banks. Uh, His cover is that his father is a wealthy securities commissioner in Calgary, and Galvin was going to work for him, which meant leaving home on business trips. Uh, His wife thought he was a computer salesman Hmm. or something like that. Okay, so his first robbery... He would have been a lot richer if he had been a computer salesman in the 1980s and stuck with it. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Maybe. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> anyway, go on. So his first robbery was either in Ottawa or Vancouver. One or the other? One or the other. Because, again, like conflicting reports from all these different sources. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, he made off with a whopping 600 bucks. Mm-hmm. But he would then go on to rob, uh, I think, something like 59 banks in the next two years. Galvin's MO was pretty brilliant. He'd fly into a city, check into a nice hotel, dressed in a suit, he'd case a bank, and then return later on to rob it. He'd wear a disguise that included coveralls, a wig, and some other fake hair and or some fake skin. And he would strike at lunchtime when the bank was busy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he would always go to the central teller. So that's a teller that had all the cash. Mm -hmm. Oh, was that like a thing? Yeah, that was a thing. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if that's how they do it anymore. No, all the cash is in the back mostly. But... Well, no, because when I go to the bank and I need 
like large amounts. Not that I go with bank <laughs> draw large amounts of cash. Are you not basis. telling me something? <laughs> but on the rare occasion that I've had you to work go to in the a bank. basement. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know what I'm doing in that basement. I do know what you're doing in that basement, and it's not worth. It's not this. lucrative. No, it's, it's not worth taking a massive sums of money. <laughs> a few times where I've had to withdraw cash from the bank. Uh, the teller has always had. She's had enough cash. Right. But I'm not withdrawing like gazillions of dollars anyway. Yeah, you get a The point is, in the 80s, there was a central teller and Galvin would rob that person specifically. No one but the teller even knew the bank was being robbed. Galvin would calmly walk up to the wicket, show the teller a gun, and then ask for the money. Then he'd just walk out. (laughs) Just another satisfied customer. All the banks he hit were close by to an alley. So after the robbery, Galvin would duck into the alley and strip off his coveralls under which he was wearing a suit. He then joined the foot traffic on the street with a briefcase full of cash. That's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Mm-hmm. So these robberies are happening all across the country, but the police are all thinking they're local crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was never any reason to think these bank, the bank robbery in Halifax had any connection to a bank robbery in Victoria. Yeah, why would they, though? Exactly. <laughs> but then, in April 1987, Galvin robbed a bank in Regina, and while the cops were investigating this robbery... He robbed a second bank right across the street. (laughs) That's cocky. In both cases, the only witness was the teller, and the descriptions of the thief were nothing alike. Yeah, because witness eyewitness testimony can be very unreliable. Exactly. So this was so outrageous that the crime made national news. And that's when the police finally put it together that all of these robberies across the country are connected and are probably the same guy. So meanwhile, Galvin is living large. He's spending money on trips for his family and friends, and some of it's going up his nose. Uh, and Galvin kind of... cocaine. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. <laughs> he sort of gets caught in this loop. It might be a Canadianism for like some Something, of our other... I don't think so. No, it's definitely not. Anyway. I'm just saying that if we have an American listener, they might be lost. <laughs> one American. Your profits if, are if, going up your nose. If we have one more listener than the one listener that we have... <laughs> Which is my mom. <laughs> she doesn't know what up the nose means in yeah. terms of... No. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm lying. My mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> so Galvin gets stuck in a loop. He has to keep robbing banks in order to finance his spending. Mm. So he heads to Ottawa to a strip club called The Playmate, which is a known criminal hangout. Have you been there? <laughs> I <Ottawa>. have not. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking. No, I have never been to no, the Playmate. I'm judgment-free zone. <laughs> so this, think of it as like the Moss Eisley Cantina. <laughs> okay. This is where you go to meet other I feel criminals. like I can have some music in exactly. my head. Exactly. <laughs> Bigger and Dan and the modal notes are playing in the background. Anyway, continue. Okay, so at the Playmate Club, he meets the owner, Tommy That's a terrible the name. Fat He's a big man, fat guy. Craig. Still. Anyway. Um, (laughs) he okay so the fat man is the biggest fence and loan shark in ottawa Mm -hmm. galvin needs uh ten thousand dollars the fat man loans him the ten grand and galvin flies to calgary to rob a bank uh when galvin returns to ottawa fly first class like that's expensive well he's his cover is that he's a businessman oh right okay so when he returns to ottawa he repays the 10 plus the vig and he and the fat man become fast friends, and Galvin joins his inner circle. They were called the Chrysler Gang. Really? 
Because awesome. they all drove Chryslers. I, I would hope so. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be like the weirdest Dri- Driving Pontiacs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that guy can't be part of the club. <laughs> He's out. He's a GM. <laughs> Where's GM Chrysler? No. Uh, I don't know if it was. Uh, I don't know. I right, got anyway. Okay, so mm-hmm. Galvin asks the fat man if there is more money in jewelry than bank robbery, and the answer is a resounding yes. So Galvin decides he's going to start robbing jewelry stores. Ooh, but there are guards on jewelry stores. Well, this is, this is the thing, right? <laughs> jewelry stores have security, mm-hmm. which means he has to change his MO a little bit. Do you not find it odd that banks these days still don't really have an armed guard when you walk into them? And yet jewelry stores still, still do like, there. nothing's yeah. changed. <laughs> nothing's changed. No. From the 80s to now, nothing <laughs> Come to Canada. <laughs> nothing changes. Like, obviously, there's some the other 80s. security issues, but like just... <laughs> seems interesting anyway go on uh yeah okay so he's gonna rob a jewelry store but he needs a second person because of the security so the fat man introduces galvin to lee baptiste a local criminal who will do what he's told (laughs) (laughs) galvin wants a big score so he sets his sights on the brinks store or sorry burke's brinks Brinks. burke's store in vancouver the two rob the place in October 1987, but it's a much different style of robbery than his bank heists. Now that he's all coked up, he's brazen and aggressive, dressed in wigs and coveralls, a two-steal, $1.2 million worth of jewelry. Yeah, it's a big score. Mm-hmm. After they change out of their disguises in a stairwell, the store's in a mall, mm-hmm. Baptiste forgets to collect one of the guns they used. And Galvin doesn't notice oh. that they're a gun short. <laughs> okay, so. Hey, bro, where's your gun? Uh, oh. Where's your wallet? With uh, my gun? With my gun. <laughs> well, okay. So the cops. Oh, no. <laughs> the cops find the gun, obviously. Yeah. And it still has its serial number. Oh. They run this number and they learn the gun was stolen from a home in Ottawa. And the Ottawa cops know who stole it. A guy named Cam Jackson. Jackson tells the cops he fenced the gun to the fat man. Mm-hmm. So the the net is kind of closing in around. I'm just surprised that they were so sloppy in all this that they still had serial numbers on their guns. Well, if you're high all the time, maybe you're not thinking too clearly. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> anyway, like if you're running a massive criminal organization at some point. No, but he's he's run. but the famine isn't running a criminal organization. He's just a fence. True, okay, okay. So if you're the Chrysler gang, maybe you should think about that. <laughs> so I guess the top tip here is if you steal a gun, mm. file off your serial <laughs> number before you commit a robbery. I, don't know if I feel it. right giving like <laughs> Crime advice. Crime advice. <laughs> on the spot. Like, but you can get it I from, mean, like, we're supposed to be educational. Any but, like, TV not, show. Not that not type of educational. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so the pieces are, start falling into place. A jewelry store is robbed in Vancouver. A gun used in the robbery is from Ottawa. A big jewelry fence lives in Ottawa. So the cops start looking more closely at the fat man and his associates, which leads them to... Robert Whiteman, mm. a.k.a. Gilbert Galvin. Do you know what I like about this crime so far? What? Is that Canada's accused of being really regionalistic, and this is like, you know, it just brings us all together. Yeah. I mean, we just, we're missing the East 
I'm sorry for the East Coast listeners. Like, I would love to bring you in on this one, unless it happens in the future. But unfortunately, you guys have been a little left out, and I'm sad. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, like this, it's yeah, it's a beautiful story of people coming together yeah. across the country, Acro- across the country. But well, not across, but like mid to west. Well, but he did rob a bank in Halifax. Yeah, that is true. Okay, so, so he, yeah, so that is bringing in the East. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so just need to go up to the Northwest Territories and like rob a mine or something. That's all. The police can't find anything on this Robert Whiteman guy. No criminal record. And when they look more closely, no tax filings, no work history. His story about his father was all bullshit. The key piece of evidence against Whiteman slash Galvin is his credit card. He used his card when he traveled. And his credit card purchases, including his hotel bills, line up with all of the bank robberies. Oh, I, I have a story that can relate to this, but okay. I'm not say it. Do you don't want, want to tell, tell it? You? Do you want me to tell you? So I had yeah. I had an athlete get busted by her dad, um, and they were on a trip of ours, and we didn't know that this athlete had been out of her room at night, late at night, past curfew, and her father was like, "What time did you buy that birthday cake, Hannah?" <laughs> Whoa! And, and and she was like, "Uh, like eight eight p.m." He's like, "Do you know when you use a credit card, there's a timestamp on it?" She's oh like, man, uh, busted! And he's like, "What time did you go out?" <laughs> So she says, two in the morning. <laughs> she bought a birthday cake at two in the morning? Yeah, right? Like, Where? Like, Zares is like a 24-hour oh, mark. Jesus. But it was just one of those things where it was, like, busted. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. So the 16-year-old learned pretty fast that, that, that credit cards are not the best nope. way to do it. Anyway. Dealing cash. Yeah. No paper trail. Yeah. So, Hannah, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. You learned your lesson. We can all learn something from Hannah's birthday cake mistake. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Don't use cash. Do use cash. <laughs> Again, use we cash. were giving all this criminal advice. There you go. Okay, so, Galvin's credit card purchases line up with these bank robberies. The cops get enough evidence to finally arrest him, and they pick him up at Pembroke Airport when he arrives home from one of his business trips. <laughs> with a suitcase full of cash and jewels. Yes, inside <laughs> his luggage. They find his guns, his disguise, and his score from his most recent job, $22,000. Wow. Yeah. How about Hall? He was charged with robbing banks in London and Winnipeg and then confessed to all of his crimes. Mm-hmm. He pled guilty to 59 counts of armed robbery and was sentenced to 20 years. He was offered a reduced sentence, only eight years, if he named his accomplices, but he refused to do so, so he was given the full 20. Well, kudos. His life probably would have been a lot shorter. <laughs> right. So he served time in Canada before being extradited to the U.S. as part of a prisoner exchange program. <laughs> I just, I, I just like I know. I'm like, why did I get to go traveling? <laughs> well, remember, he still had a sentence to serve in the U.S. for robbing Western Union. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so after his parole. In the United States, he returned to thieving, but he kind of lost his touch. In 2001, he was charged with bank robbery in McHenry, Illinois. He robbed a bank and, like he'd done before, changed clothes in an alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but someone saw him changing near a dumpster and phoned the police. He wasn't caught at that time, but when he another bank was robbed in the same town, the police went straight to that dumpster to find him. And there he was. Mm. Um, he served his time. And that brings us up to 2015 when he got cop shoplifting all that booze. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of a pathetic he seems end. Like, but at the same time, he seems like he has a certain amount of like panache, you know? Like he seems like, well, it just the- like stroll and be like, meh. <laughs> 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 like it just. 
Yeah, well, if you like look at pictures of him like in the eighties and now he's He's doesn't look. Worse. He's, he looks like he's been drinking and, and snorting his way through through life. The decades. Yeah, <laughs> like back then, like he was suave, little debonair. Or... No, I wouldn't go that far. But he was healthier. Okay, let's say um, he's re- he's let himself go. All right. Yeah. So as I said, it's kind of a pathetic end to one of this country's greatest bank robbers <laughs> who stole a total of two point five million dollars and racked up one hundred sixty thousand aeroplane miles. That's amazing. So he got like a whole bunch of free flights. Yes. So they can't take that away from him, technically. I don't think so. Because he earned that. Like, can, can... well, no, because if you don't use your miles, they get deleted. Because no. that happened to me. Yeah. Maybe. If your account it goes, but you can, but you can buy tickets for other people. Well, that that's what he was doing when he was living. Yeah. Large. So he could. Yeah. So, but even so, from jail, he could still buy tickets anyway, for other people. That's a shitload of aeroplane miles. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I don't. I want to know. I kind of curious to want to know what happened to his airplane miles. I don't know, but I can tell you. Back in the eighties, the cops believed he had stashed all of his money somewhere, but he always insisted that he'd spent it. That it was all gone. He had nothing, which kind of explains why he's robbing liquor stores. Yeah. yeah so that's the story of. It's like there's no way this guy could spend damage. that much money. I'm like, oh yeah, there is. Oh yeah, there is <laughs> plenty of ways. Wow. So that's Gilbert Galvin, the Flying Bandit, number slash one, the Phantom Bandit. Yes. All oh, right. That's you... good. good one. <laughs> Ready for number two? Yeah, this is the this is the one I intended. So this is yeah. yours. Okay, so Kenneth Leishman. William Kenneth Leishman was known as quote one of the most beloved of Canadian criminals end quote. He was active during the 1950s and early 60s, and his crimes include bank robberies, plane theft, and prison breaks. <laughs> He's perhaps best like known. Like plane as in the airplane. The airplane. Yeah. No. Yes. Not like, <laughs> not the work plane tool. or boring theft. <laughs> like, boring. Pretty. Well, yeah. Plane. It was just plane Very theft. known yeah, for yeah. boring thefts. <laughs> well known. His thefts were all very I'm just boring. saying that you should probably. <laughs> airplane theft. There you go. Thank you. Fixed wing aircraft theft. <laughs> do you know if it was How fixed wing? specific do you want me to guess? I don't know. Anyway, continue. Yes. Okay. So he's perhaps best known for stealing nearly $400,000 worth of gold bullion from Winnipeg International Airport. <laughs> Stick it down your pants. Like, what do you... It was and still is the largest gold theft in Canadian history. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Ken was born in Holland, Manitoba in 1931. His parents separated seven years later, and his mother worked for a living housekeeper as a living housekeeper for a widower. This guy did not like Ken and gave his mother an ultimatum: if she wanted to keep her job, the boy had to go. Wow, that's horrible. Wow, yeah. Talk about a bad employer. Yeah, uh, there were two other Leishman kids. I don't know what happened to them. Or, like, if this guy had just singled out Ken. Yeah. So Ken's kicked out of the house. And life was pretty miserable for him. In one year alone, he was shuttled between seven different foster homes. Oh, fuck. Before finally setting, settling in a boy's home. Oh, sorry, Ken. That's yeah, he was also abused first by his mother's employer and then in one of the foster homes. Aww. So off to a bit of a rough start there. Yeah, a little bit. When he was 12, he was sent to live on his grandparents' farm. Um, his mother had remarried by this point, but her new husband didn't like Ken for whatever reason. Life on the farm wasn't great. He kept getting injured. For example, he was twice kicked in the head by a horse. What's he doing? I don't know. Have you ever worked with horses? No. I. Is it hard to get kicked in the head? 
Well, no, I mean, you can get booted for sure, but I mean, it's uh, like if you pay attention, which I always do when I'm around a horse. Yeah. Like a horse. <laughs> well, like, like generally, yeah, like I've, I mean, I had, mm, no, I've never been stepped on really or anything before. I mean, I've just always paid attention. So, yeah. But I'm also increasingly paranoid, but also like even when I was a kid, I was around horses all the time when I was a kid. Well, this, I mean, he didn't grow up around horses. I don't know. The point is, he's having a bit of a shit time. Yeah, that is a shit time. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ken. When he was 15. I don't want to take away from your story yeah. of mine. <laughs> yeah. This isn't about you. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what's, what's, this, what's this podcast called? <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> when he was 15, he sought out his dad in Winnipeg for some kind of reconciliation, but it wasn't to last. Ken moved to Kenora which is in Ontario, just on the Ontario side of the Manitoba border. I know where it is. I've been it. Fun fact, uh, Kenora was once called Rat Portage. I did not know that. <laughs> it's a terrible good, good name. name change, Kenora. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so he worked on a resort in Kenora. Mm. You've been to Kenora. I have passed through Kenora, yes. Yeah. Uh, he broke his ankle and had to return home. Uh, so I don't know if this guy was unlucky or clumsy or what, because other jobs he had also ended due to injury. He joined the Merchant Navy, but had to leave because of a burst appendix. And he was struck by a boxcar when he worked at a rail yard. And he was in a coma for three days. Wow. This guy is like, this guy. He just takes a shit kicking. Yeah. But he gets back up. (laughs) When he was 18, he met and married a woman named Elva. There's no way that this guy's brain is is working properly. Yeah, like there's there's some mushiness going on. There's got to be. Me, yeah, kicked um, in the head twice by a, a horse, horse, like struck by a boxcar, yeah. for three days. Yeah. All right, go on. Okay, so he's 18. He falls in love, marries a woman named Elva, but he stole the furniture they used to furnish their apartment, and he spent part of their honeymoon in jail. Okay, so after taking a couple flying lessons, he bought a plane. And set himself up as a farm machinery repairman. He didn't have a pilot's license, mm-hmm. by the way. But that didn't stop him. He also acquired a taste for fancy living and fine clothes. He was making pretty good money at the time. The farm machinery repair job gave way to a cookware, like a salesman job selling cookware, mm-hmm. but still flying in and out of places. But then the cookware company folded in November 1957. Right. So Ken is out of a job and he needs money. His first bank heist took place on December 16, 1957, so a month later. He flew to Malton Airport, which is Pearson, mm-hmm. in Toronto, yep. rented a car, checked into a luxury hotel downtown, and the next day committed, quote, one of the most daring robberies on record, end quote. Uh, that's according to the Canadian press. Hmm. He walked into the TD, a Toronto Dominion bank, at Young and Albert, and asked to see the manager. When he met him, Ken pulled a gun and forced the bank manager to write him a bank check for $10,000 and to cash it at one of the tellers. He questioned the manager about his life and his family so that when the two went to cash the check at the teller, it seemed like Ken knew the man personally. He then had the manager walk him out to his rental car. Then Ken drove to the airport and flew home with the cash. (laughs) That is like, yeah, that's ballsy. That That is is really good. (laughs) The following... I mean, who, who wants to, who's <laughs> going to be looking for a plane? <laughs> exactly. Huh. The following March, Ken flew back to Toronto, this time to rob a bank at Young and Bloor. 
Uh, but this time around, the teller pressed the emergency alarm, uh, and Ken was caught on the sidewalk after tripping over a woman. <laughs> How do you trip over a like, woman? I guess he's there's like just not women everywhere. There's <laughs> women all over the place. <laughs> Willy nilly yeah, on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, fuck. Come on. <laughs> Help me out here, ladies. I'm trying to rob a bank. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? What, what are you doing? There's like women just everywhere. <laughs> so Ken pled guilty to the two robberies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't get over the image in my mind of that. Like he's running, like looking back, like with a yeah. bag, like a, a sack of like, with like, the with, dollar, like the dollar sign, sign on, on it. him. And he's like trips over a woman. Well, if she's in his way and he's not looking where he's going. <laughs> or maybe she just stuck her foot out. Exactly. She's like, like, running. No, I just see a woman lying on the ground. And then he like gets up and he's like, dang, aren't it? Like just some kind of old <laughs> time, old timey swear. Oh, <laughs> anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Pled guilty to two robberies given 12 years. Um, which he would serve at Stony Mountain Penitentiary in Manitoba to be near his family. Uh, Ken was a model prisoner, and he was uh, paroled after three and a half years. So not bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, fast forward to 1996, when he was arrested at the Vancouver airport for a parole violation. He wasn't supposed to leave Manitoba. When Ken, uh, why was Ken in Vancouver, you ask? Why was Ken in (laughs) Vancouver, I ask? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. You totally set me up. I totally did. Okay, it might have something to do with the gold heist he pulled off just days earlier. Fuck. Oh, this is the booyah. This is it. Yeah. Okay, on March 1st, 1966, nearly $400,000 of gold bullion was stolen from the Winnipeg airport, as I'd said. That's about $3 million, give or take, mm. in today's dollars. Probably more than that now. Closer to four, perhaps? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. A shit ton. Why was a ton of gold even at Winnipeg Airport, you ask? I'm not... You're not going to... No, not this time? Okay. (laughs) No. Okay, so the gold comes from Red Lake, a mining town in Ontario, not far from the Manitoba border. Mm -hmm. The gold is flown from Red Lake to Winnipeg by Transair. And then in the mint, is it? And then in Winnipeg, it's transferred to Air Canada and flown to Ottawa for the mint. Right. I've never been to the Mint. Oh, really? Yeah. I oh. think it's like, it's like every school in Ottawa goes to the Mint. I've been to the Mint. And I think I was, I must have been absent that day. I've never been to the Mint. I've been to, I have been to the I Mint. I want to go. And Is I was there, going? I had time. You to... went as an adult to yeah. the Mint. Yeah. yeah, I went, I just, I don't know, probably five years ago or something. I I was in Ottawa, like, as, as I am fairly often anyway. Like, I get there a couple times a year. And, um, yeah, it was a really fun tour. Like, it, it's yeah. like, it's obviously not really working in the same capacity and to well. like print money that it used to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun tour. I enjoyed it. I bought a coin. It's a very nice coin. Okay. It's got a whale on it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So new plan. I will go to the mint mm-hmm. when I'm at home. Next time I'm home. I okay. know someone who works for the mint. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Making money. Like. Yeah, they're like pressing cash. Pressing. <laughs> I don't know how many. Did you hear about that robbery? The mint robbery? There was a mint robbery? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's another episode. Oh, like man. A, yeah, a guy like robbed the mint and he kept on, he was an employee and he kept on stuffing, oh, yes. stuffing up money down, yeah, up his butt and <laughs> yes, then he bring it back. Yes, I about that. Yes. <laughs> he was stealing gold coins. Yes. And smuggling them and out. up his ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he made up with a lot of yeah. money. And then he finally got caught in the end. Yeah. Anyway. He did hear about that. that. That's yeah. a different, okay. I think we should do like random small <laughs> episode like a little anyway go on anyway okay so um ken knew all about the gold and 
again, conflicting stories here. Either because, A, he flew his own plane out of Winnipeg Airport, so mm-hmm. he found out about these gold shipments. Yeah. Or, B, had a view of the airport from his prison cell. As you do. As I'm inclined to believe it's because he flew his own plane out of Winnipeg. I don't think so. And not because his prison cell overlooked the tarmac. <laughs> Um, but it is something it that seems overly convenient for a prison break, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so how am I going to get out of here? Exactly. Oh, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> the cops had a pretty good idea that Ken had pulled off this gold heist, um, and he hadn't done it alone. When Ken, when Ken conceived of this plan, he rounded up four accomplices and stationed one guy in Red Lake. And he was to notify Ken when the next shipment of gold was headed for Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, Ken and his cronies stole an Air Canada cargo van, mm-hmm. some waybills, and then made their own ground crew uniforms. They drove the van onto the tarmac, told the people there there was a change in plans, and instead of Air Canada, today the gold will be loaded onto a charter plane. Mm-hmm. The Trans Air people had no reason not to believe <laughs> Ken. <laughs> Because he's all official with his waybills and his Air Canada van. Mm. So they helped him load the gold into the van. Wouldn't you feel like such an idiot afterwards? I know, right? So embarrassing. But you and I both know that. Like, you never know until after no, that shit's done. you never know. Yeah. Yeah, so then Ken and his guys drove the van full of gold off airport property. Wow. They ditched the van. But their plan to hide the gold fell through because of a massive blizzard that pounded Winnipeg the day after the robbery. (laughs) So instead of hiding the gold, the thieves kept it, and they still had it with them when the cops tracked them down. Ken was charged on March 20th, 1966, Mm -hmm. and unsurprisingly wound up in jail. So he's sitting in jail, awaiting trial, probably thinking to himself, screw this. So then he masterminds the escape. Of himself and 10 other prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> that happened on September 1st. Well, when there's a blizzard, got nothing better to do. Well, this was later on. All right. The bl- yeah, so this was after the blizzard. I guess he had time. This he had time. He had, like, the whole summer to plan this thing. Um, it was a pretty simple plan. Overpower the guard and run away. <laughs> oh, you mean he didn't tattoo his whole body with the plans of the... Exactly. <laughs> the prison Before... break would have been so much shorter. <laughs> Overpower the guard and run away. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Right. We just seem like the dumbest security system. Like you rob a bank, you just walk up because there's no guard there, right? Like you, you want to get out of prison, you just overpower the guard, run away. Ken stole a car from the prison and drove off into the day. He and three other escapees made it to Steinbach, Manitoba which is south of Winnipeg, stole a plane there. This would make a good, like, made-for-TV movie. And flew (laughs) to Gary, Indiana. But their freedom wasn't to last. They were caught the next day when a bartender recognized Ken from all the news coverage (laughs) about the jailbreak and the gold heist. Um, There was a brief shootout and a standoff. uh, Then the men were captured and returned to Winnipeg, um, where Ken was greeted by an adoring crowd. (laughs) (laughs) He had like he had all these fans. Mm-hmm. He was very, very dapper, mm-hmm. very friendly. Everyone always said he was very gregarious and outgoing, just like a really easy guy yeah, to yeah. like. And so he, so had, he was like incredibly charismatic. Yeah, very charismatic. Um, and if you look at pictures of him, like a nice looking man. 
And so when the police returned into Winnipeg, all these people were at the airport to greet him. And he, like, got on the plane, he smiled, and waited. Like, hey, I'm arrested. <laughs> it's like a hero's return. <laughs> That's amazing. So he's returned to Winnipeg where he served out his jail term with no further incident. And the- Just kidding. Huh. That's not the end of the story. All right. On October 30th, 1966, so almost two months to the day since his first escape, mm-hmm. he escapes again. <laughs> this time he was... Did al- they overpower the guard like they did last time? <laughs> well, yeah. So... <laughs> Fuck. He was they, al- they don't learn the first time. <laughs> yeah. He was alone in the wing of the With prison. one guard. Oh, no, 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 there were three guards. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so he somehow overpowered these three guards. Is he a ninja? Like... Unlocked a door that was supposed to be unlock pickable and leapt over a fence to freedom. This is like, what was it? Like a two foot fence? I really just left. <laughs> like, <it was> just... <laughs> Have you seen the gif of the levitating dog? No. Gotta look it up. It's amazing. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. He just—that's what it says here. Four hours later, he was caught at a phone booth. <laughs> it's like he does all these amazing escapes, just, just like caught the most in the ending I know. ways. I know, right? It's just such a downer. Uh, okay, like God, you're so smart at getting out of those things, and then you're just like waiting to get it's caught. Like, yeah, for, pretty much. Oh. Okay, so Wait for attention, <laughs> Plan kid gu- pled guilty to nine charges that were laid against him and he got 14 years total mm-hmm. eight years for the gold heist and two for the escapes plus six for the first toronto bank robbery and the parole violation you get two years for an escape mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. uh, after being paroled in 1970 oh sorry he applied for parole and was denied parole in 1974 right he requested an official review of his prison sentence there was some debate as to how much time Ken should actually serve um, and if time served counted for anything and if he had concurrent sentences or consecutive sentences. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've been over this in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to Ken's delight, it was concluded that his prison sentence was improperly cobbled together and he was immediately released. What? Yeah. Wow. And this ruling forced hundreds of reviews of prison sentences yeah. across the country. That is precedent setting. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So Ken moved himself and his family to Red Lake in 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife stuck by him this whole time. Well, he's a charming hot dude with yeah. a, like a total loyal following. Yeah. He's like a famous dude. Um, so in Red Lake, he worked as a pilot and operated a tourist shop. Everybody there really liked him. There's something going to happen here. <laughs> uh, and he sir, he was the chair for the local chamber of commerce. I think he was almost elected mayor. Wow. <laughs> and everybody lived happily ever after. No. No, of course not. Working as a pilot, Leishman sometimes flew medevac flights at a Red Lake. Uh, and on December 14, 1979, uh, Ken was piloting one of these flights when his plane just disappeared. Hmm. The wreckage was found the following spring. Oh, no. But his body was missing from the crash site. Huh. There were three people on the flight, himself, yeah. um, the nurse, and the patient. Right. And they were both women. Um, so the two female skeletons, or whatever was left, were found, and some bits of clothing, but no sign of Ken. Hmm. The inquest concluded wolves had eaten his body. Without any evidence? No evidence. But that's just what they decided. Mm-hmm. And Ken, the flying bandit Leishman, was declared legally dead on December 16, 1980. Aww. 
And that's the end of the story. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So just disappeared. Huh. I think, like, I, I'm inclined to believe that he did die in the crash. Yeah, I would think so. But a lot of people were, think that he ran away because he, he was so clever. Yeah. Although he kept on but getting there's nothing, caught. There, there's nothing to escape from. He, like, had a good life, it sounded like, in Red Lake. Yeah, I don't know. So there we go. Hmm. The Flying Bandits. That's a good one. Plural. Yep. Yeah. No, that I did not expect to. <laughs> All right, so Rachel, in the educational portion of this, yeah. uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Sure. At what time is theft completed <laughs> under the like, Canadian Criminal Code of Canada defined? Like five uh, o'clock? Yeah. <laughs> at what time? Yeah, at what time? Like, it was when is the theft completed? So if you're going like, to... Oh, okay. I suppose when you leave the premises with whatever you're stealing. No. Oh. A person commits theft when, with the intent to steal anything, he moves it or causes it to move or to be moved or begins to cause it to be movable. So, like, if I'm going to steal this bottle of Prosecco, yeah. as soon as I lift it up off mm-hmm. the coaster, yep. the theft Because has... your intent was to steal it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, or causes it to be movable. So, like, you could, <laughs> you could have a drone come and potentially pick it up. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people, like, I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I, so I, I don't mean, you don't need to leave the house with the bottle. No, it's your intent to steal it. So, like, if I just, like, accidentally picked up, you know, your ring and just decided, and you were like, your intent was to steal that. And I was like, yeah, then I would be charged with that. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's really narrow. Very narrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, at the same time, it's very, it, it's very true. Yeah, I guess it is really about the person's intent. Yeah, and I mean, and so what we also have is, I don't know why it's $5,000, but for some reason it's five, and it like, I don't know if that includes inflation or like what happens there, but <laughs> um, so there's theft under 5000 which is a hybrid offense, and then there's the theft over 5000 which is an indictable offense. Hybrid offense? Yeah. So a hybrid can be, um, depending if the Crown wants to pursue, it can be uh, a summary crime or an indictable. So it means a jury or just a judge sentencing. So for a summary crime, it would be a bench trial or just sentencing. Uh, summary is just sen- sentencing, usually. Okay, there's no trial. Hybrid offenses um, are the or where the ch- crown can choose to proceed by either indictment or summary conviction, so they can cover the majority of um, like it can be the majority of criminal code of offenses, right? So it could be sexual assault, assault, fraud, fraud under five thousand dollars, theft under five thousand five. Sorry, fraud under five thousand dollars, theft under five thousand dollars, assault with a weapon. Assault causing bodily harm, possession of cocaine, simple possession, that's what it means, and many more. <laughs> possession of cocaine, specifically? Yeah, yeah, it's called simple possession, oddly. I don't know why. Why? Because it's not dealing at that point. Okay, but I guess my question is, why cocaine? <laughs> I Maybe that's what this page deals with more than anything. You know what I'm going to ask. How much is a personal amount? <laughs> it's a ton. A kilo. A kilo. <laughs> That's an inside joke, everybody. That's an inside ah, joke. It's a great story. But you're not gonna tell. Yeah, you everybody guys. Will, if you if you ever you can write us at uh, True North Pod. True North Crime Pod at, at gmail.com. Gmail. And we'll tell you the story. And we'll tell you the story. Of the we will write it, and we will we'll tell you about the kilo of coke. Um. So anyway, so that that's a hybrid offense. Okay. So indictable, so this is where the next part of this is, do you know what the difference between summary and indictable offenses are? Well, the indictable offense is you go to trial. 
and you have a jury trial. Indictable offenses are most serious uh, crimes in Canada, including murder, terrorism, robbery, drug trafficking, treason. 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 I mean, like, how often do you hear of that anymore? Although in the States, that's coming up quite a lot. <laughs> um, sexual, certain types of sexual assault. Although I don't I like really all... know what that means. Being a woman, I'm kind of put off Can all by sexual that. assault. And I mean, being, being a dude, I would think too as well, like you should be put off by the fact, like, what does certain types mean? Um, and very serious criminal acts. Uh, so, and they carry a pen, a, the potential maximum of uh, life imprisonment. Okay, which is 25 years. Yes. Yeah. Right. So those are indictable offenses, and those are done by usually a, or by a jur- jury. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Summary conviction offenses are uh, the least serious offenses under the Criminal Code of Canada, and they are generally lesser ones, and those are usually, <laughs> including marijuana under 30 grams, <laughs> FYI, <laughs> and solicitation of prostitution, not prostitution itself for but some just reason. just solicit. And, and also being, being found in a body house. Body house. I love the term body house. I know. I know. It's B A W D Y. Body. Yeah, body. Being um, found in a body house. Well, I suppose that goes with the solicitation thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you're there to pay somebody for sex. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a six month limitation period applies to all summary convictions, uh, offenses, or the Crown chooses to pursue by summary conviction. So it just depends on, on what you want. It's it's really what comes up. It's really in the the hands of the crown at that point. Right. Okay. And also probably your prior convictions. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If it's your first time in the body house. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll let it slide. But if it's your 50th time being caught in the body house. (laughs) Exactly. And so these are also provincially kind of um, litigated, right? So in Ontario, the appeals in the Ontario Supreme Court of Justice... Summary conviction offenses can carry um, a max penalty of six months in jail. Whoa, that's so, it? Yeah, and some have a, um, a max of 18 months of jail, like assault causing bodily harm, uh, assault with a weapon, forcible confinement, which I think is pretty terrible, yeah. and sexual assault, again. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not so hot I need some more details about that one. Yeah. Like, what are I, we talking about I agree, here? and I think maybe with the current climate, maybe it's going to be a bit harsher, but... Anyway, um, so it's a person not entitled to a jury trial or to have their case heard in the Supreme Court or Superior Court of Justice unless it's being heard alongside an indictable offense at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that's that's kind of where I'm at on that one. Okay. I didn't I didn't know the difference honestly. Like no. I'd heard of the two, but I actually didn't know what it meant. I'd never heard of like summary or hybrid offense before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Learning something new. This yeah, is great. Exactly. So, um I guess I guess do you have any weird uh headlines for us yeah i learned about this actually earlier today <laughs> so there's a town near kingston i i think is it caledonia what's it i've completely forgotten the name of the town small town near kingston starts with the sea there was a massive fight in this town mm-hmm. some years ago like a huge brawl so big, in fact, that it required the reading of the Riot Act 
and is the first time I've Riot heard, Act was read in Canada. I always, I always heard about that as like my mom being like, I'm reading Riot yeah, Act. Yeah, so, like, did your mom ever tell you that? Because my mom I've, actually, No, I never heard Oh, I, like, really? My I mom, know, I've my heard mom the phrase, actually did. obviously. Okay, because my mom actually, actually did. said it. Yeah, yeah. So the first time the Riot Act was ever read in Canada was for this big fight. That's amazing. <laughs> outside of Kingston, Why? Ontario. I don't know. It was just this massive, massive brawl. Huh. And Hash, I think it's like, some family member of his was involved in it. Hashimoto? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. That's really random. I know. Huh. I have to talk to that dude. So yeah, there we go. Makes weird good sushi. Weird crime fact. Yeah, he does. Mm. All right. Well, um, I have a weird Canadian law for you. I'm excited to hear it. <sighs> Fredericton, New Brunswick. Okay. You guys are... What's going on in Fredericton? Or what's not going on in Fredericton, I guess, is more to the point. It is against the law to wear a snake or carry a pet lizard in public. (laughs) (laughs) Does it say why? I'm guessing because it's dangerous. A person may possess possess a snake or other reptile on the street or in a public place, provided it's in a case, cage, or other container designed in such a fashion that it will be completely that it will completely confine such snake or reptile. Oh. So you can't drape the snake no over you and dance like you're Salma Hayek or in, Britney from Dusk Till Dawn or Britney Spears is in that photo. Was that in Fredericton where she did <laughs> I that? Guess not probably got arrested. Yeah, exactly. I hope so. <laughs> That would be amazing. That would be a great headline. Uh, no, no. We should do a celebrity edition. Madonna arrested for jogging nude in Toronto. Was she arrested for jogging was, nude yeah. in Toronto? Mm-hmm. She was banned. From Toronto? Mm-hmm. For a while, yeah. Wow. Because you can be topless in Toronto. No, no, no. There was like a huge thing about that. Sounds like a publicity stunt. Nope. Why would you jog nude? First of all, ow. Maybe she's high. Maybe she's just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> That too. Anyway, so that is the law. So that's so funny. If you have a snake, keep it, keep it caged. Keep it caged in Fredericton. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. All right. So this has been a lighter one. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yes, it has. Uh, hope you've enjoyed our detour out of exactly. Murder Alley to, it- <laughs> <laughs> to theft, <laughs> to theft, mm-hmm. <laughs> to theft Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very terrible Monopoly board. Um, <laughs> If you if you need to reach us, you can reach us at yeah. Um, if you want to hear that story about the kilo of coke, you can, <laughs> as we said, you can email us at truenorthcrimepod at gmail and we'll happily tell you how a disappointing story, a disappointing <laughs> story about my high school days. Yes, <laughs> that makes it sad. It's like what the hell? <laughs> what were you doing in high school? <clears throat> Nothing. Nothing. Well, write us and we'll tell you. <laughs> Um, so I guess until next time, I've been Rachel. And I've been Shelly. Stay safe. Yeah, like really safe. Yes. Like try try not to rob any banks don't out there, banks. even though we've given you a couple hints on or how to do it. Or if you do, don't get caught. No, I'm not going to promote that. And share the profits with us. No, I'm not going to promote no. that either, because I, <laughs> I do not want to be an accessory <laughs> to bank robbery. <laughs> to bank robbery. <laughs> I have a whole life to lead. Would it be a hybrid offense or an indictable offense? It depends on the crown. Oh, all right then. And it depends on the crime and the severity of it. Did he kill anyone when you did it? Well, I would hope not. Well, I don't know. Like, you're, you're encouraging the crime, so I don't know. <laughs> but more like a flying bandit type. I don't know. My whole thing is blame Rachel, not me. <laughs> <laughs>